Hey, Conspiracy Kyle here. My new book, Intergalactic Totalitarianism, is now out on Amazon Kindle and paperback. I'm currently in production of the audiobook, so you'll be the first to know when that is out as well. Um, links will be in the show notes, so check it out if you're interested. Interested. Welcome to A Conspiracy in the Force, the show where we examine parallel conspiracies in a galaxy far, far away, in a galaxy not so far away. The show is designed as an introduction to modern day conspiracy theories by using Star Wars, one of the most beloved fictional universes, as a point of reference. Let's begin. Hey, Conspiracy Kyle here. This episode is audio from my conversation with Jerry on Mass Formation Gnosis Radio from January 20th. I was honored to be his very first guest on the show. He's been doing it for a year, and I was his first official guest, so I had a really great time chatting with him about my new book, Intergalactic Totalitarianism, as well as other Star Wars topics and, of course, current events and other things going on in our world. So check it out. Um, Links to his content are in the show notes. Hope you enjoy it. May the Force be with you. everybody thank you thank you so much for joining me for on mass formation gnosis radio i'm your host the cosmic rotter and i am joined by conspiracy kyle for my very first guest this evening i'm really stoked to have him welcome kyle thank you for joining my small little show hey absolutely thank you so much for having me yeah so tonight you know i've been promising everybody i've been doing this for about a year you know i kind of started doing this after i had a knee surgery and I had a disability check come in. I was kind of fat and I just decided to buy a computer and start doing this. And I told people within a year, once I stopped messing around with these stupid gaming and other weird experimental streams that I would actually have a guest. So I'm really happy to have it come full circle. You're the host of Conspiracy in the Force podcast. And tell us the title of your new book. It's a mouthful. Yeah, okay. it is a mouthful. It sounds like, you know, I'm going to start a college course. You know, there's, it, it sounds really smart to say it, though, so I, I like that about it. So it's called it's called Intergalactic Totalitarianism. And then the long, long, long subtitle underneath is Authoritarian Tactics and Traits in a Galaxy Far, Far Away in a Galaxy Not So Far Away. So you can see kind of what I'm going with there. And um, for people not familiar with my podcast, it basically goes through Star Wars, you know, the Star Wars universe, all the movies, all the, the films, the shows, etc., and just shows how... There's so many comparisons between those and our everyday life, you know, specifically in terms of different conspiracies, different political machinations, all that kind of stuff. And in this book is kind of the culmination of of some of that, just kind of talking about how, you know, how the empire came to be is no different than um, governments in this world, you know, turn into 
dictatorships or totalitarian governments, what, what have you. They use a lot of the same tactics and traits. So I kind of wanted to kind of document how, how that works, how that works, you know, and, and for people that are, you know, pretty, pretty red pilled into the conspiracy stuff. Some of it is, um, you know, I would say kind of, you know, surface level, but at the same time, it's good to see those parallels. Um, and, and just knowing that a lot of stuff we see in films is so, is almost more true than what you see on the news, obviously, in, in my opinion, you know, what you're getting, I think in films, they're hiding a lot of real truths about our world in there because they come from our world. Right. So, I, I think a lot of the things you see in here, there's a lot of direct parallels between events in our in our past history, our current history, and probably what's going to be happening in the future too. So, kind of wanted to document all that stuff as kind of a, you know, using Star Wars as kind of a cautionary tale. Like, listen, like this is how things degrade. This is how things turn into go from a republic to a empire. For sure, and I think a lot of people today are really caught up with the ideas of like Huxley and Orwell in 1984 and A Brave New World and all that, but like Star Wars is definitely a lot based on the hero's mythos, and you mentioned Joseph Campbell a lot, and I just wanted to mention like, was this your first uh, foray into podcasting, or is is this what you wanted to get into it doing? Yeah, so, so I started it in um, July of 2020, so about, what, a year and a half now. Um, yeah, it was my first foray into podcasting and, you know, and it was only probably less than a year before that, that I kind of started, you know, the wheels started turning my mind about, you know, everything we see in our world. It's, it's definitely not really what, it's not really what you, you, you think it is uh, until you look further, you know, ob the obvious matrix parallel there, right? Like, you know, you, you're in this pod and then you wake up and you're like, holy crap, like other people are asleep. I'm seeing all the stuff that other people aren't. So you know, once that, once I had those moments happening and it was kind of, you know, late 2019, kind of started thinking about this stuff, listening to a lot of podcasts, watching a bunch of videos, documentaries and stuff. I'm like, I'm like, dang, like, you know, I want to, I, I, I really, I like ingesting all this information, but like, for me, like, I like to, I, I like to do things, you know, I'm a very active kind of person, you know, it's, it's kind of hard for me just to kind of sit down and watch, you know, TV and stuff like endlessly. Like, I, I like, I like playing music. I like, you know, do, doing that kind of stuff. So I'm like, you know, maybe I could get into podcasting or something. And uh, I started watching some of like the Star Wars prequel movies and I'm like, holy crap. Um, I think there's some some meat on the bones here that I don't think people that are into Star Wars, well, it's kind of a weird conglomeration, right? Like a lot of people that are into Star Wars don't really want there to be any real world parallels, right? They they just, for sci-fi fans, yeah. it's like, it, you know what I mean? It is just, it's the escape. You know, it's the escapism. I think we all face it with, with certain um, franchises, films, TV, video games, what have you. you just, it's your escape from the real world. Um, and on the other side, you have the, the conspiracy people who are like, well, this is what's really happening. That stuff is a diversion, you know, from what's really happening. So I'm kind of trying to marry these two things together um, and show and show a lot of these parallels because I was surprised that that there really wasn't much content out there that was doing that. You know, it was like either one or the other, right? You know, so I, I wanted to, and Star Wars is such a rich universe. You know, I'll, I have so much, there's so much content to, to go on in the universe itself that I can I can look through and pick through and find parallels. So, but yeah, to, to answer your point, you know, this it was my first foray into podcast about a year and a half ago, and I've been doing it, doing it every week since then. And, and it's been great. It's been fun. It's, you know, I've been researching a lot of stuff about our world and researching a lot of stuff about Star Wars. It's, uh. It's it's a fun little thing to do on the side, and you know, I'm and I'm thankful that people are um, appreciative of it and are uh, you know tuning in. Yeah, man, it's like super fascinating too because I was reading your book and like when I was a kid, like when you're like 
six or seven years old and you're trying to think about this stuff and you're they're talking about these weird different intergalactic organizations and empires and then like you know i was a, I was, I was a former political science student myself so like to read this through the lens of like these free trade organizations these different weird um international organizations the nwo and the parallels between all these different mythoses and these stories like it's like an incredibly rich universe and that's what really got pointed out to me like even secret societies like is it fair to say that there's like basically in the star wars saga to an extent like a couple of secret societies battling for control of the empire by using the forces of light or dark like what do you have to say about that yeah you know i would say um two things yeah one i would say you know palpatine on his own with with the dark side powers that he has he's basically like your one man cabal one man illuminati one man what a freemason whatever you want to call it he is all of that rolled into one person he's manly hall and dick cheney and yes he, he's alistair he's, crowley yes he's all of it combined you know he has a lot of useful idiots that you know work for him but they're not really you know part of the the power structure they're just tools that he uses so i would say that for one i would say that is is a big thing and he uses you know whatever blackmail dark magic any of that kind of stuff to and, and you especially see that right in the prequels there's this uh this dual personality he has he has this darth sidious on one end working in the background and he has this forward-facing politician on the other side that's that's just like you would see in these secret societies, right? You know the Paul. That's Liz Cheney, right? That's that's Liz Cheney. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna write a book about her next. Oh, she's oh, a piece of work right there. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's 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 like you see like these people go out and have these political speeches, and they go into the back room, and I think of like you know Yale Skull and Bones stuff like that. All those people were politicians, forward facing, but then they go into these back dark rooms and do all this evil shit or, or creepy, weird occult stuff. So for Palpatine, I would say he's basically a secret society on his own, like the. But like I guess the Sith and the Jedi, right? They both they both try to wield control of the universe. You know, the Jedi try to portray it as like a noble effort. You know, they they're more like your um one that's really that's that's out there in, in front that people know about and, and stuff, but you know, they they want to maintain peace and order in, in the galaxy and whatever, but you know, throughout the those prequel movies, they're as you know, they're it pretty sounds good. like a Knights Templar, -ish. right? Yeah, like, I mean, kind of like slightly good implication, but yeah, I think they have good intentions, but you know, they get manipulated. They they become no worse than anybody else, and they basically let this get they let the galaxy be destroyed by their you know inaction uh, to 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 do things, and they just want want to maintain the the status quo and everything. So yeah, I mean, the Jedi and Sith, it, it goes back and forth, and. You know, the, the funny thing, real quick, Rabbit Trail, you know, just about, like, the Force. I mean, you know, they both use the Force, but, like, like what does that mean? It's just basically they're using this spectrum of power and just pulling it back and forth. You know, there's really no... Um, what does that mean to you in your, in your like, personal... If you don't mind me asking. Yeah, like, no, absolutely. What does that absolutely. mean to you in your, in your philosophy? Um, you know, I, I, hold, I hold more of a, you know, a, a Christian mentality where, like, you see what's happening in Star Wars. It's more of, like, an impersonal god like there's there is really no god there's just this spectrum of power that people can use for their own will and it's almost like, like the state right like the state worship. yeah it's almost just like you know what like god is you like god is within you kind of thing like like all they can accomplish whatever they want on their own doing you know without really having to have faith or this or that they just they just believe that they can do something and, and then they can 
and they can do it. So that's kind of my, my, my take on that. But yeah, to, to your point about the secret societies, I think there's probably even more to it than just the Jedi and Sith within the Star Wars lore. That's actually something I'm, I'm starting to look into a little bit. I think there's, there's a lot more, there's a lot more to that. So in terms of Star Wars lore, are there like, are, are there like books involved that most people aren't familiar with too? Like how's the story like flesh out? Because we know, I think most Americans probably know the six, right? Yeah. The main six of the Star Wars. Like, what, what are a couple of the films that you think people should look at to help round out their knowledge of what this universe actually is? You mean films or, or like like books, like tie-in novels? Films, stuff books, like even the animated stuff, the I'm, the Bad Batch that you mentioned. I don't know. Let me know what you think. Is um, like, yeah, I would relevant. say um, there's a, an animated series called The Clone Wars, which takes place during that prequel era that um, you know, and, you know, and like you said, a lot of people know like those main six, you know, the originals and the prequels. And a lot of people have kind of a bad taste in their mouth about the prequels just because of how they, how they looked and the, and the acting was bad. And then I get all that kind of stuff. But I, but I think the, the Clone Wars animated series, which takes place during that time, I think, you know, it does a lot to really flesh out some of those characters and, you know, their motivations and, and what happens. But it, and it also shows that, during this three-year period of war, just how the Jedi are slowly just more and more manipulated and more and more beat down. Because for, for anyone who's not familiar with it, it, there's basically this fictitious war that's set up between, you know, the Republic and these um, basically Confederates, like people that are, you know, wanting to leave the uh, Republic. Um, but, you know, Palpatine, as his, you know, as his politician and as his dark side, he's manipulating both sides. So it's, it's like a war that's never meant to really end. It's really just meant to demoralize, yeah. you know, the galaxy, you know, just think of, like you mentioned earlier about, about Huxley, Brave New World, stuff like that. 1984 is a big one. You know, people in Eurasia, I forget where they, Eurasia, East Asia, Oceania, anyway, Oceania. Yeah. yeah. They had no idea who they were at war with at any time. Because they were just always at war. Always at war. Peace. Yeah. They're always at war or they were told they were, at war and they didn't like they like well i thought we were at, at war with them like no no no, you're at, you're at war with them we were never at war with the other so it's exactly the war on terror today it's yeah exactly... it, it is it's never meant to end in this clone war series it just goes through all these wars and wars and wars and and you see the people fighting them are noble and trying to do the right thing but at the end of the day it's such a huge manipulation and that leads into the last chapter of the prequels in revenge of the sith and the Jedi have been so manipulated at that point. They're basically beaten down and the galaxy is just beaten down. They want some kind of change. And, you know, Palpatine is right there like, hey, listen, I can I can help out with that. So so that's one that I would say is a really great, um, a really great tie in. Um, obviously, like the, I would say, like the two new series that have that have come out under Disney, the Mandalorian and this Boba Fett series that have just come out, I think are, are I think are really good. And OK, OK, the aesthetic of it, I would just say the aesthetic of it, the look of it looks like the original trilogy so anybody who really appreciates the original trilogy versus the other ones I, I would say to to look into that kind of stuff and and what i like about those is that you know we talked about you know like the force and i kind of have a little bit of a hang up with with how that's per portrayed and what it what it's meant to symbolize these those shows don't really have much at, at all about the force you know um and i would say you know going back to your question earlier i think just people that use the force or are very adept at using the force in general are like a secret society in their own because they think that they can do things that nobody else can do. But shows like the Mandalorian, the Boba Fett show show just like what everybody else in the galaxy is doing. I mean, that's like the, 
the four the force the jedi the sith that's like the one percenters right there like right they're the ones who can do the things that that nobody else can do they can control a lot of stuff but there's still 99 percent of the galaxy out there do, doing things and it's you know it's bounty hunters it's you know this the, the scum and villainy kind of stuff that's that's pretty cool to see how that all plays out Nice. That kind of leads to my next question a little bit. I have a few laid out here just to keep me like going, but um, like I saw Robert Reich was trending today on the internet. He's like this notorious billionaire who just plays both sides along, along the lines like George Soros and um, Klaus Schwab, who we'll talk about a little bit later. Is there some kind of like shadowy cabal behind Palpatine or is Palpatine like the, like the end all be all in the series? Like what are the forces behind Palpatine? If there are any, I don't I don't think there are. I just think he had learned, you know, I think, you know, when he ended up dying and well, he, Disney brought him back, but we're not getting, we're not going to touch the, the <laughs> those Disney movies. Um, but like when he died in Return of the Jedi, I mean, he was probably like 70, 80 years old. So um, in actually one book, going back to your previous question, a, a good tie in book that I'm just starting to read now is called um, Darth Plagueis, which Darth Plagueis was the dark lord of the sith that trained palpatine from an early age That's yeah. yeah and then palpatine learned everything he needed to know from that guy and then he killed him and then he basically took that so man this guy's such an asshole man. he is this but palpatine like guy but He's like, like aoc <laughs> but He's that's aoc or liz cheney i'm one of them but it's part of the sith mentality is that you know you you rise up and, and kill your master and by doing that you you become even more and more powerful you know that's just that's just how that's how the the dark side works it's with every with every evil deed you do you get more and more evil and you can attain more and more power through that um through the vacuum that's created be because of that so so really he he's so powerful and he's so tuned in to the dark side um which yeah there's really no one behind him other than him which uh is is kind of crazy himself right that that kind of makes you sort of think he's kind of some kind of nefarious thing that's like of evil in the yeah cosmos right yeah yeah and you know the, the question is like you know just like darth vader and in, in anakin you know it was kind of this dual thing um you know at, at what point did he really not become palpatine anymore and just become this darth sidious character or was he always that you, you know, it, it's kind of hard to, it, it's hard to say, but, Man, it's but, fascinating. but, but yeah, there really wasn't any, uh, it was just really just him, you know, just, just running the show because of how basically he was so in tune to the dark side and like the Jedi order were so not in tune with the dark side because of what he was doing. You know, he shifted that balance in such a way that they couldn't even really combat him because he was just like, it's like, you know, it's like an NFL player in their prime, like you, right? Like you can't beat him no matter how hard you train, no matter how hard you play, you, you, you can't beat this person because they are at their uh, absolute peak. And that's what Palpatine was for, for so many years And it. But the, but the flaw at the end of it, you know, when he ends up dying, you know, Obi-Wan has a great quote. He says, the flaw of power is arrogance. And after a while, after he attains this power, he just kind of shuts himself away and he's like, okay, I got this power to kind of keep maintaining it and doing this. But then he he becomes a little too big for his britches and he starts just making terrible decisions. Like at the end of the Return of the Jedi movie, when he, you know, uh, Luke Skywalker ends up confronting him, Ember tells him like, listen, like I, I let 
I let your troops land on this planet. I let them destroy our equipment. I let them do all this. He's like, but it doesn't matter. We're still going to win. You know, he, he, but he was so arrogant that he, he, he didn't think that they stood a chance, but you know, I think the one thing that star Wars does is, is show you like the, the good triumphing over evil, even in the face of, you know, ultimate evil because they make up, they slip up, they make mistakes. You yeah. know, and I think we're kind of seeing a lot of that in our world now, whether it's, you know, intentional or, or accidental, a, a lot of the powers that be, I think that we think are so strong and powerful and, you know, really ruining our lives. Like, I, I think they're kind of really starting to, to slip up and, and make mistakes. And I think people, more people and more, more and more people are catching on to this stuff. And so that's kind of one of my, my takeaways from that. Dude, you're just leading me down some more. I have another question that just popped up right now. I'm just now. segueing you into your next question. We're just we're, and this is like a slight tangent. That's kind of like weird. It's not even like completely about this, but I mean, um, are you, you're familiar? I'm sure Stanley Kubrick, the mm-hmm. great mm-hmm. film director, how a lot of people thought like at the end he was kind of disclosing a lot of things through his films. Mm-hmm. Like, what do you think is up with George Lucas? Like, if if what you're saying is true and he's like he's putting all this like straight into his films, what do you think his uh his whole role behind this is like, um, is this like self disclosure or is he um, trying to be breaking out of Hollywood a little bit in terms of his stories? Because the Star Wars, I mean, the Star Wars saga is a, quite different from what we see today in Hollywood. Like, what do you think? Or what's your opinion on that? Yeah, and, and you know, he definitely had a lot of leeway, you know, with owning his own company and financing all these movies studio, right? Himself, you know, he could really do whatever he wanted, and you know, all he needed was some studios to distribute it for him, and he was good to go. But yeah, like I think a lot of those things, I think a lot, definitely rubbed people the wrong way as far as what he was telling people about how an empire is formed, especially in, in the prequels. So th- there could have been, um, I, I think he has. I think he kind of just has a disdain for for politicians as it is. You know, there's a lot of quotes throughout the, those prequel movies where, you know, Obi-Wan's like, listen, Anakin, you can't trust her. She's a politician. They can't be trusted. Yeah. And they talk about that all the time, like you can't trust politicians, this and that. And so I think he has that kind of mentality. Now, I know he is very, very left, very left leaning, you know, obviously from California. I mean, you most okay. people probably are. So he yeah. has that kind of lean to him. So I think he probably posed some of these uh, off of off of more right-leaning um you know government entities specifically when you talk about the prequels you know it was when when bush and cheney were running the show and you know you know i'll be honest i mean i support him i I mean the star wars program was fucking in (laughs) yeah yeah the reagan thing too right and that kind of really rubbed him the wrong way as well that they were kind of you know politicizing the term star wars for like a nuclear program or like that was it was crazy but like um, so, so I think he had a lot of disdain for, for political leaders, you know, probably Republicans or, or Democrats. It, it probably doesn't matter, but I think he just knew that, you know, they're just always corrupt and that really the way to destroy the world is through politics. And so I think that's, that's one aspect of it, you know, and then the other, the other thing that you can kind of start to go down the rabbit hole is of just, I guess, sci-fi in general is, you know, they push kind of the. Um, well, two things simultaneously. They they push the you know the transhumanist stuff where you know people are 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 melding themselves with robotic parts to to help themselves you know or to live. Um, yeah. So there, that's one aspect you see in a lot of sci-fi. Um, you know, it's kind of a mixed message in Star Wars now, though, because 
you think about Darth Vader, like he looks freaking awesome. He's one of the best villains, I think, of all time, <laughs> you know, but really he's like a shell of a person held together by like robotic parts. So like that, that, that kind of cuts both ways, right? It's like, yeah, all these robotic parts can keep him alive. But the only reason he had to go into that was because of all these terrible choices he made. So it's kind of like a um, cautionary tale from, from that perspective. But, but also, you know, we just talk about robotics in general. And this goes, I think, for a lot of sci-fi movies. They show that, you know, without robotics, we wouldn't have been able to achieve victory in these. Like, look at R2-D2. He's one of the greatest, you know, characters in Star Wars. I, I love him. For sure. But he saves their ass pretty much every time. Every time. And, and like, and like, it's cool and it's awesome. It's like, oh, R2 helped us out again. But it's like, wait a second. So you're saying if we didn't have this robot, humanity would have would have failed. He's like you know, a souped-up Alexa. Yeah, basically, basically. <laughs> but I think that's, you know, with a lot of sci-fi, I think you see a lot of that, like, all the robotics that we're rolling out, robotics, artificial intelligence, it's here to help us. And, you know, I think in Star, in Star Wars, you see that aspect, you know, it's, it's here to help us, whereas, you know, look at stuff like iRobot or other um, stories where it's like, even The Matrix, like, you know, right, like, artificial intelligence can lead to a dystopian universe where, these machines now know more than you. So I think sci-fi tries to make robotics as cool as there. And, I, and I'm not going to lie to me, robotics and stuff, it's really, it's really, really cool. But there is that a thin line of, of where does that cross to it becoming a, a threat to, you know, humanity. For sure. Am I wrong in that it was the first Matrix is hard for me to get past because of the bad fighting? Or is that just a very specific <laughs> thing to me? I don't know. I couldn't get past I've never seen the Matrix. I know the Matrix trilogy premise very well, but I was yeah. like, I'm a UFC fan. It's like, I can't, you know. They should have just well, been throwing the people into cages. <laughs> and when that came out in 1999, like, it, it definitely won all the awards for, like, best special effects and stuff. But, like, I was kind of pissed because, you know, Star Wars Episode One came out that same year. And I, I think, and it doesn't really hold up now when you when you look at it, but, like, George Lucas wrote out a lot of really cutting edge like digital technology that really wasn't being used up to that point i think i saw that in theaters actually yeah yeah, yeah and it was really cool sure. i'll be honest like some of the um the special effects in that movie really don't hold up if you watch it now it looks like very like you know like a computer game from the mid 90s kind of <laughs> kind of thing but um i was pissed because the matrix won all the awards and i mean i, I think that the effects in that were in that were pretty good and, and it was I understand some of the gripes you're saying about some of like the fighting sequence, but I would say like the stylized version they did, it was something that like really hadn't been, hadn't been seen before. For sure. And it's funny too, because now that we're talking about weird, just for a second while we're talking about weird film effects, but I was watching Beetlejuice Blu-ray the other day at the brewery and like everything was like completely you still there. Oh yeah. Oh, I sorry. think your camera went yep. out. Yeah. Yeah. But I saw Beetlejuice at the brewery the other day and like everything was like a pristine 4K and then like that shitty like, you know, animation of that thing. I don't know, was it like a plant or a thing in the jack in the box? It's like a, it looks like an 8-bit like monster just comes out of nowhere. It's just like so jarring. You're like, why even make a Blu-ray of a movie like that? You probably shouldn't. But yeah. And Jordan, you know, George Lucas weird. did all that with Star Wars. He went back and made all these little digital changes and stuff. But yeah. It but didn't then, quite work. It, it wasn't really necessary. You know, it was just like like background scene, background pieces and stuff. It's like, well... You know, but but I get it. You know, as as a as a film work, I think anybody that does anything creative always, anytime you do anything, it's like you know, you you wish you could have done it better. So I understand yeah. from that aspect, you know, want to go back. But like 
listen, like I'm not going to go back to my podcast and, and edit uh, <laughs> everything. Like I just, just like sometimes you just have to let some things go, but Dude, you should see my really bad early videos, man. Jesus. <laughs> I fell asleep during one, I think, or something it's ridiculous. <laughs> like, I was doing like a fight cast. It was like six hours of fights, and you know, oh my god, I might have taken a nap for a second. <laughs> but now we're going to get to like one of the main takeaways from your book, which I really like the Hegelian dialectic. A lot of like politicos are familiar with um, problem, reaction, solution. It goes back to the abstract, negative, concrete kind of. Um, framework he i really like your framework because a lot of what we're seeing in today with the you know we'll say with the weird virus thing and the weird jabby jabs going on you're seeing a lot of tacit compliance that people don't even know they think they're resisting but they're not speaking up they're not doing anything notable mm -hmm. and in that kind of way they're just applying their consent so can you walk us through your star warsian dialectic yeah yeah absolutely so yeah like you said you know most people know that hegelian dialectic or problem reaction solution where you know, whether it's a government entity or, you know, a, a power, you know, puts out a, a problem happens, the people react to it. And then the government, the one that created the problem, provide the solution as well. So that that's kind of a framework we all know. But, you know, for this, as I was going back through and looking at Star Wars, I'm like, I'm like, you know, I could just use that same framework. But at the same time, I'm like, I think some wording, you know, could be more like effusive, like more meaningful, um, you know, just when you look at words, if you look at two words on a page, you know, one word like has a really stronger, they can be the exact same. They can mean the exact same thing basically, but one just has such a stronger connotation yeah. to it. So, and, and as I was watching the star Wars movies, um, you know, in the, in the prequel era, as the empire was start, you know, as Palpatine was trying to get this empire in place, you keep hearing the word crisis all the time. You keep hearing it's the Naboo crisis. It's the, separatist crisis it's the crisis and so i'm like you know what maybe crisis is a better word to use instead of problem because a crisis a crisis is a problem but it's a huge problem you know there's a a, a pandemic you know there's a, a a world war you know those things are huge with massive consequences so i'm like let, let's use that word in place of problem and then like you said about, you know, c consent and, and compliance. That's like a buzzword right now. And I really like that because like people think about it in a completely different context, but yeah, pretty right. Right. Because here. Like a re and it's, but so it's the same thing with reaction. Um, consent is a very specific reaction that, that people do. So, you know, in, in the um, let, let's use like nine 11. I think that's one of the examples I use in the book is, you know, in nine 11, you know, there's this crisis, right? This huge terrorist attack. Um, and then, you know, what happened, right? Yeah. Terrorist <laughs> attack. Totally from somebody in another country, not America. Totally, man. Totally. Totally. Something Arabic or weird. Right. Totally not remote control planes or something. But you know. yeah. $3 trillion <laughs> missing. Yeah. The day before. It's yeah. interesting. Yeah. Um, so, so, you know, talk about consent. You know, I'm, the Americans gave the consent to give billions of dollars to this military industrial complex to go to war overseas to, you know, to help Bush fight his father's war that didn't end, you know, 20, 10 years ago. And they also, and they also, but I think that the bigger connotation that I, I think we're, we're seeing the, the rollout of every single day of our lives since then is the Patriot Act. And just, you know, them saying that, listen, if anybody we consider to be a quote unquote terrorist, which obviously this definition has, fucking really change over the past year or so um 
anybody we consider a terrorist, we can we can you know come to your house, we can look at all your information, we can surveil you, do this and that. So the Americans are like, yes, yes, that's important. We need to know um, that the Amer that the American government can spy on only the terrorists, just the terrorists. They're they're totally only going to spy on the terrorists, right? And it's like you're like when you when you think about it all these years later, you're like, you know, at that time. I was so stupid and naive. I'm just like, yeah, we're going to war. We're going to get those motherfuckers. We're going to, yeah. we're going to do this. We're going to bomb them to the stone. And it was like, it's like, but, but wait, 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 why? How do we, how do we know that? Just cause like, what are we bombing to the stone age, a place already in the stone age? Yeah. <laughs> like, like, like why? Like, and then you look back these years later, I'm just like, my God, like how, how, how silly, how, how stupid. And um, so, so, but the consent we all gave, everybody gave consent, the American, and I think another example is, you know, Pearl Harbor, you know, after the American population didn't really want to get into World War II. And if it were not for Pearl Harbor, we probably wouldn't have been And you know, butterfly effect, what that means for the world. I don't, I don't know, but you know, had that not have happened and, you know, uh, there's a lot of controversy about how that, that happened or how that maybe it may have been manipulated to happen, which I would talk about in the book too, oh, dude, but it's, yeah. a, it's another segue. Thing. Good segue. It, it's, it's another there. thing that, you know, um, the American people didn't want to get into this war. World War One had ended several years before. It's like we don't need to do this again. And after we were attacked, it's like no, we got to go get them, right? And then, but then yeah. with that in nine eleven, you see these things happening. This cyclical pattern of people giving consent after after these attacks happen. And it's like you know people need to need to wake up to that. And then the, the obviously the third one is just control. You know, so it's crisis, consent, and control, or the solution, and that is their solution. Their solution is always more control for them and you know less less rights for for us so in both these situations right like pearl harbor now now the military industrial complex again millions billions of dollars sending them overseas do this and that um you know who knows where some of those dollars go same with 9 11 billions of dollars go overseas this and that and now they can and now they can surveil anybody they want to as well so like you you see a lot of this stuff happening and i think it's important you know and i talk about in the book things in our country because i think when you when when you hear the word like totalitarianism or like communism this and that it's like you always think like the first thing that comes to mind is like you know soviet union nazi germany this and that it's like no a lot of these things happen yeah. in our own backyard and i think we need to just be aware of that kind of stuff yeah for sure and like i said perfect segue here like you talked a lot about the weimar republic in your book in terms of the political machinations of it i did a video recently more on like the cultural weird implications of it and like when a it's like when a democracy gets too free or too inclusive like weimar germany was this whole experiment multiculturalism like they had a whole influx of immigrants from the soviet union they had all these different parties and what did it lead to it lead to this like whole different like weird science experimentation that was going on transgenderism was birthed in this like republic um not only that child prostitutes were like very much and i mean we're talking about like CRT, cultural Marxism here, but I wanted, I just wanted to ask you, are there any like hints of that in Star Wars? Any kind of weird cultural things that hinted at like the decay of the Republic? Or was it mainly the political machinations that were in work that kind of drove? Because like, obviously in Weimar, Germany also, they focused on brainwashing the children on the left and the right. Mm -hmm. On the left, they brainwashed them in terms of sexuality, being free, rejecting parental authority it's a school of like herbert mccusa this new sexual liberation and then you got on the right hitler's youth <laughs> the reaction yeah. where they're like we're going to restore this shit back to normalcy 
Like, what do you think about that? Yeah. I mean, I think there's a lot of elements of, like you said, about, about the brainwashing of children and you kind of see it in a few different eras of, of star Wars, you know, um, Palpatine at right after the empire had kind of really started to come to power. He wanted to make sure that they went around the galaxy and started trying to snatch like force sensitive children because like, they really like, focused on it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It was really important to him because like we, we, we have to, we have to brainwash this next generation. And then honestly, you even see it too, which is, this is a, um, an even creepier one. I don't think I talk about it in the book, but after the original trilogy ends, you know, uh, and I'll talk a little bit in, into the Disney era. We're not going to get too far in there. My brain's going to explode. <laughs> but but basically, this new quasi-empire rises up out of the ashes of the empire, which I think, you know, you, it's another thing you see throughout history. When one empire falls, another one starts to come back up. A shittier it, one. A, a shittier one, yeah. It's actually <laughs> a, a shittier one, which is run by, like, you know, millennial hipsters in, in the Disney Star Wars ones. <laughs> and and but, but what so so this contention called the first order starts to come up and it's like some former um uh, leaders of the of the empire and like their kids and stuff and they're starting to, to to grow this thing up what they started to do is is they they were basically going around and kidnapping and snatching kids from around the galaxy to be soldiers to be their new stormtroopers in this new government and they even went so far as to like um find the the kids of like the rebel leaders who had just who had just defeated them and they're like you know oh, if, if we can kidnap some of these kids and turn them like against their parents like that's really what like you know and there's another kind of 1984 theme right it's like the kids like were were, were bred by these spies to like turn on their parents you know and turn their parents in for thought crime stuff but like one story thread which i don't think has really been fully fleshed out but um, you know, Lando Calrissian, you know, uh, rebel, rebel, rebel hero, his daughter actually gets kidnapped by these people and is turned into a stormtrooper um, for, for, for many, many years. And I think they're probably they may tell that story in, in something. But so was it normal for females to be kidnapped to become stormtroopers? Or is that kind of an exception in the universe? I, I, you know, I don't know. It, it seems like you see a little bit more of that in that in the Disney kind of ish ish area oh, okay. era there. Um, gotcha. but yeah, there is definitely a lot of, uh, there's not much, that's one thing that Star Wars kind of lacks a little bit is like, kind of like, what's the culture like, you know, yeah. I, I, there, there's not as much of, of that in the movies. In, in that's stuff. probably for a reason, right? They want it to be ambiguous to shape the way the culture of the populace. Uh, right. Like, consuming right. it. Is but I, but I, I appreciate your, your points. And I was watching some of your video the other day about, um, the Weimar Republic, and I didn't it's realize kind of I wasn't at my best at that video, but I had try to have a lot of information. Well, I, I didn't realize that movie Metropolis was from Germany in the Weimar era, oh, right? Yeah. They, it came out from from then. It's like the I, end it's like the peak. Yeah, I'm very I'm, I'm familiar with that movie and like and like some of the plot elements and stuff. I mean, there's a lot of crazy stuff and symbolism in there that you know definitely anybody go go t go take a look at that. It's probably on YouTube for free. I would yeah. think at this point, there's a lot of scenes on there for free, but the music is scored different. But like, but to your point, doing... but to your point about the you know the, the downfall of society, like one of the things in there is like you know they're, they're sacrificing people to like Moloch down in this like Dude, furnace in a machine. Yeah, so <laughs> you don't get any more you don't get any more down in down in the dirt than that. But yeah, I, I would agree. You see a lot of these same kind of agendas and things being being pushed now, and it's just when when a when a society kind of gets so dirty like that that it's just it's a breeding ground for um some kind of big change it's it's pretty fascinating too because a certain german leader was like 
not saying anything out there to crazy people, just hear my words. But I'm saying like they made him out to be the mediocre artist, right? When he was critiquing the art going around around Berlin. So if you think about being a dissenter in the in, in an era where the left wing is dominating culture and art, and you're like the lone artist dissenter, maybe it's a lot easier to paint you as crazy. Might have mm -hmm. been crazy, but maybe a direct reaction to some like real degeneracy going on in Berlin because I had to edit that video. I had article, like there's an article I read where I had to delete three paragraphs from it. It was from 2001 from Der Spiegel. And it was just too real. I'm like, wow, this is back when news just like, they just really said it. <laughs> and I couldn't, yeah. I, but I that's just what it, what's the interesting thing you said is that, you know, in Nazi Germany, that was coming from like the right, that was coming from the political right. So like, I think you see people nowadays thinking like, well, no, I'm on the left. I'm on the left side. The, the, the Nazis think. were on the right side, you know. But it's like, no, this can come from. It can be bred it from so many. Circle. Yeah, it's all cyclical. It can come from either side. I think that's the biggest point that people need to to take a look at. You know, like I I, I voted Republican for many years, but I realized that what Bush and them were doing now was was terrible. Was terrible. But I also realized that what's going on now is terrible too. So it's like you, you you can't just draw a line in the sand politically and say that everything your party does is right and the other one is, is wrong. It's like they both have these totalitarian agendas and a lot of it, a lot of it intersects, you know, at, at a certain point. No doubt, dude. I have this, like, I just want to make a quick pitch for one of my videos recently because I, I'm proud of it. It only got like seven views allegedly on YouTube because they're suppressing it. But I did one on neo-Marxists in American politics and there's a direct Bush, Clinton, but I call it the Bush, Clinton, Bush, Obama consensus. It's all been like a giant sham. Mm -hmm. It's all been a co-opting. That that is a hundred percent for sure. Oh yeah, um, I mean, if you look at just like the order of the president since like nineteen thirty, it's just gone Democrat, Republican, Democrat, Republican, Democrat. It just goes back and forth and back and forth. And they're all like for gay marriage and against it and for abortion. They have right. no spine. It, it, they're just uh, props of the governmental cabal. We'll yeah, talk about exactly. a little bit. We're getting into a little bit of it later. Just shortly. I, how much time do you have? An hour, 20, 30 more minutes? Uh, yeah, I have 20, 30 more minutes. Yeah. All right, sweet. So we'll get to a couple more of these Star Wars topics because they're fascinating to me. And then we'll just get to like some video reactions really quick and just shoot the shit the last 10, 15 minutes. But I was wanting to know, uh, the thing that caught my eye in one of the stories that you're mentioning was the, can, can you just explain the story of the scientists released the virus in Clone Wars <laughs> that like malfunctioned the the clone machine, they're clone machine hybrids, right? Yeah. Can, can you explain this a little bit? <laughs> this was a crazy story that I stumbled on a few years ago. So this, and it's in this Clone Wars series that I kind of mentioned earlier that I would, I would definitely tell everybody to go back and and watch because you know it's really it tells a lot of really good stories um a lot a lot of them are just kind of like little mini series like three or four episode chunks so in this episode came out in like 2009 so this was like 12 years ago at this point but you know um in in in, in this takes place in the area in between episode two and episode three right before you get to that huge finale uh of the prequel trilogy so okay there's a scientist who works for the separatists, which the separatists are the people that are. Are they white nationalists? They're totally not. They're, they're, yeah, they're totally oh, okay. Nazis. They're racist. <laughs> all, all that. All that. They hate. They hate people. But I mean, they have a droid army, so they obviously hate people. You know. So, but you know. So it's this. It's all these 
planets have been like, listen, we don't want to be in the Republic anymore. We're seceding, basically. Screw you guys. But they have this huge droid army. But they're being bankrolled by this organization called the Trade Federation. And Palpatine is manipulating that. I mean, I'll tell you what, like... Fucking Palpatine, These man. stories are so, like, in-depth. And, like, in the book, I, I barely talk about, like, Anakin Skywalker, Darth Vader at all. Yeah, for there's, sure. There's so many layers to, like, the political machinations and the, and the corporate machinations that kind of lie mm -hmm. in. But anyways... So there's a two episode arc in the Clone Wars series. It's called the Blue Shadow Virus. And, you know, I remember watching this many years ago, didn't think anything of it. But then I, I caught it again a few years ago. I'm just like, whoa, wait a second. After, after, the, after the C word happened, you know, I don't want to get you banned here. After the C, after the C <laughs> thing happened in, 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 in a, a month after the year 2019 and before the year 2021, um, so it tells a story about this scientist. He works for these separatists and he wants to create a, a virus to kill a bunch of people. And there was a historic in this universe, in the Star Wars universe, there was this historical virus called the blue shadow virus. And he, he was upset because this virus had been, had been destroyed many years ago because it used to only be a waterborne virus. And, he was basically upset that that it was uh, eliminated because he saw that as like the genocide of a virus. Oh I mean, talk God. about some weird like meta stuff right there. Dude, this is like, um, <laughs> who was that? Was it the was it a Rothschild or a royal family member that said they wish they could come back as a virus? Uh, Prince Prince Charles or Prince Philip. He nice, said, we got a uh, comment here finally. Go ahead and keep going. Sorry. He, he, yeah, he said that, you know, when he when he died, he wanted to come back as a as a pathogen or something to kill wipe out a lot of population to, to cure a lot of the population ills. So it's like uh, fucking bastard. Thank thank God he died and that we're we're all still here. I just really wonder what Epstein was up to out here in New Mexico, man. I'm like Ooh. 45 minutes from where he lived out here. Orfeo Trashula says the 80s development of Bush enslaved Reagan's DEW weaponry. Ooh, DEWs. I'm I go back and forth on DEWs. Whatever it is, I mean, we can't probably comprehend that right now. This is like some of these like conspiracy rabbit holes is, is just, you know, I just can't. Just can't right now. <laughs> um, okay, so anyway, so so he wants to bring this virus back. You know, he's a scientist, like he he believes that like life was destroyed. He believes that by destroying that virus, it, it was like destroying life. It was destroying a life form. It's like, you know, if you uh, if you stepped on an ant, you know, you're killing life. But to a lot of people, it's just like whatever. It's an ant. So he <laughs> wants to bring this virus back, but he wants to make it airborne instead of just waterborne because, you know, airborne viruses could kill a lot more people, obviously. So he th they find out this is happening. He's doing this in a lab and, you know, the, the Jedi confront him. And there's a lot of great, I, I can't think of the quotes right now, but there's a lot of great, great quotes how he's talking not about creating a virus, but creating life, you know? So to him, he sees this as, um, as life. And wow. basically like, like humans are the virus and, you know, uh, this sorry, is like I, a similar I, thread to like the alien trilogy too. And like the Prometheus kind of prequel, like a little bit, right? Right. There's a little bit of tinkering with life, a genetic, yeah. Yeah. And like, you know, I, I just watched some of the Matrix recently, so I have a lot of this still in my mind, but like the uh the Agent Smith character, like the villain, he's basically saying through the whole time, like you humanity is the virus. So you hear this the scientist saying the same thing, like, listen, these people killed this virus 
they're as bad in, in the past. These people are as bad as the virus. So they should be eradicated as well. So it's definitely a warped mind. And he definitely has like this not Nazi Germany accent to him. And like, I'll be honest, <laughs> like, I'm telling you, look at this guy, like in, in line him up against like Dr. Fauci. I'm telling you, there's a lot of uh, the, the faces line up, line up a little bit. I, I, I had thought initially it was more kind of a Bill Gates mentality. But like, look at this guy's face and everything. It's it's crazy. But so anyways, they. This virus gets released in in a in a contained facility. They don't get to release it galaxy wide, but a few people were affected by it. And you know, the difference of this thing and the the C word is that this had like a ninety nine point nine percent fatality rate, not a you know zero zero point one percent fatality rate <laughs> when you compare it to some other things, you know. But but so they're like, okay, now we we have some of our our um, heroes. You know, some Jedi, some some clones um, are in this facility. In this, it's been released internally. They got we, like we got to fix this. We got to fix this. We got to help these people. We got to find an antidote. We got to find a cure. And they they confront the doctor and they're like, "Listen, where is the? What's the cure? How do we cure this? What's the antidote?" And he's just like, "I am like, the cure." <laughs> <laughs> he's like, "Listen, like I was instructed to create a plague, not to cure it." And I'm like, damn, that's deep right there. But they end up finding out that it was a, hmm, the cure to this virus was a naturally occurring element from a plant on a nearby planet. Hmm. So it wasn't, it wasn't like a bioengineered sticky sticky. Does it, it was, rhyme with biverbectin? <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah, they extracted it from cows. It was really weird. It was really weird how that uh, worked. But no, it, it, but just so the whole point was like, you know, they found they found the cure and it was a naturally occurring plant or root or something. And then they gave it to the people and they were fine. So, um, but yeah, just the symbolism of, of that, you know, how he thought this virus was actually. And like, like you said about Prince Philip, you know, they they see that as for the good of society to, to rid society of a contingent of people because, you know, we're ruining the planet and this and that. Meanwhile, that. Meanwhile, they are the ones running all the factories and polluting the whole world, but we're the problem. Damn right. Right on, man. I think we're going to go ahead and leave it at that. Thank you so much for joining me this evening. I appreciate it. Awesome interview. I had a lot of fun, but we'll see you guys next time. Don't know what my next episode is going to be, but we'll figure something out the next few days, and I'll talk to you guys later. Adios.